0: the break is over baby yeah (laughs) wow okay so yes i've been taking a break but here we are back again hello stranger how you been back again with another episode of mad pain i am Doreen your podcast dominatrix and yes i've been taking a break i've been getting my Maxine Warder Shaw on what is Maxine Warder Shaw that means that not only am i reclaiming my time but i am reclaiming my time by running the streets of black brooklyn or you know we might also call it salt and pepper brooklyn because gentrification is a motherfucker but yes i'm living single i'm doing my thing I've been going to the beach, hanging with friends. One thing that is definitely different um, this summer compares to other summers that I've had is that I don't give one damn. So I've been out at the beach with the thong bikini. The cheeks is out, they're getting toasted, they're brown. And I've realized that now it's time to bring those cheeks back inside and edit the episode that you guys have been patiently waiting for. A lot of you have been DMing me and texting me and asking me when the next episode of Mad Pain is coming out and it's coming out on my time, which is right now. My next guest is Amanda Waka. She is a New York City-based artist who is internationally known for her innovative and conceptual work with the tattoo medium. Her canvases include fruit, leather, linen, and skin. She's done projects with the Metropolitan Museum of Art, the New Museum, the Museum of Art and Design, the Clifford Still Museum, the Rubin Museum of Art, the Museum of Contemporary Art in Denver, and the Whitney. Pioneering the watercolor tattoo movement and actively bridging the gap between tattooing and fine art, she has exhibited her work in galleries and museums worldwide. Let's get into it with Amanda Wachup. When I first found out about you, this was, you know, probably when I first started tattooing and... One of my I was tattooing one of my friends, E and Caitlin Cherry came in and I saw the tattoo that you did on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also when I was doing Invisible Man at Recess, Rue Jekyll Hockley, one of the curators at the Whitney, was telling me about, you know, getting a Rue. tattoo from you.
1: Rue told me about you, too. Oh, cool.
0: <laughs> as soon as I saw that your style was really different, it, it made me like think about tattooing in a really different way you know, I've been following you and have been seeing like a lot of the really amazing work that you've been doing. So I'm, you know, just really grateful that you're like, you know, willing to do this interview.
1: Oh, well, thanks for for asking me to be a part of it. I'm super psyched to
0: get to talk to you. Okay, so how did you first come into tattooing? And how did your practice begin?
1: I got a BFA in fine art photography from art school and. Just really after I graduated, I had no idea what I was going to do with my degree at all, how I was going to make a living. Didn't really know anything about commercial photography. And I had a friend who was working in a tattoo shop and he was just telling me like, the owners are looking for an apprentice. You should come here and, and speak to them and see if you can get the job. I just really think that you like tattooing. I just think that you would just really like to learn how to do this. And I didn't know anything about it. I was totally new to it. Didn't have any tattoos And I went into the tattoo shop and they actually gave me the job. They hired me and they agreed to take me on. And then as soon as I started learning about just all of the ins and outs and it just seemed so complicated and there were all of these intricacies and I just immediately was obsessed with trying to figure out how to do it. Yeah, I just immediately became kind of obsessed with it. It was just this whole world opened up to me and I just kind of fell in love with it and felt like I had found my calling and the shop I was working in was a street shop that was trying to focus more on doing custom work but it was still mostly like a lot of flash and like you know just walk-ins and they were trying to push the custom thing a little bit but it was still mostly just a street shop. Started scrubbing the floors you know and like scrubbing toilets and tracing up stencils and making tattoo needles and you know, just did anything around the shop to make myself useful and and just tried to like watch and listen as much as possible. The way that I first was taught how to tattoo is that you have to start with a black outline. And from there, you you go from like a dark color to a light color when you're shading everything in. So that was the way that I was taught. It was like pretty traditional sort of, I guess, way of tattooing. But just immediately, I started having all of these different ideas about it. I had just come out of art school and I was you know like thinking a lot about like critiques like critiques in classrooms and discussing your work and it was always like who's your audience what's your intention like why why are you doing this like why are you creating this. And so I kind of brought that mentality to what it was that I was doing in the tattoo shop. It's like, well, why does this tattoo have to have a black outline? Why why does everything have to have like a black outline around it? Like this person wants it to look like a painting or a photograph. Why do I have to put a black outline around it? So just immediately, I just started questioning everything that I was being told. Like, well, why does it have to be done like this? Like, why has it always been done like this? Does it always have to continue to be done like this? Can't it just be a bit more creative? So just immediately started questioning
0: everything. And then where was this at? Was this in New York?
1: Yeah, this was in upstate New York.
0: Okay. So in previous interviews, you've mentioned having to redraw the same imagery over and over again. And that that was starting to hinder your sense of creativity as a tattoo artist. How did you gain the courage to defy the rules of tattooing imagery that so many other tattoo artists worship and abide by? and you know i'll even say like almost in a, a culty mentality <laughs> <laughs> definitely culty yeah
1: i just initially started thinking about coming coming out of art school and having a lot of critiques and my classes about what's my intention and who's my audience and what is it what is it that i'm trying to say and what is it that i'm trying to do and just immediately brought that right into my tattoo apprenticeship you know sort of questioning why everything had to be drawn a certain way or tattooed a certain way or why everything had to have a black outline when somebody would bring me a photograph and ask for you know their tattoo to look like the photograph why i would have to put a black outline around it and make it look like it was a cartoon so just immediately started questioning everything you know that i was sort of being taught in my apprenticeship and yeah just immediately started making pages of like abstract flash and leaving the outline out of things. And it just felt a way that I was a little bit more comfortable working. I felt like I could never personally relate to a lot of that imagery. And it just didn't make sense to me, like why certain designs had to represent such like a a multitude of different people. Like, are these our only options? You know, are these are, is this, we're just supposed to be stuck in this aesthetic forever? Like, what is, what does the same image say about all of these different people like why, why does it have to be the same thing i just felt like there should be more options there should be more ways that people can say something about themselves or describe a part of themselves why does it have to be repeating the same thing over and over again i i don't i can't necessarily relate to you know skulls and daggers i think that they're cool but not everybody wants to get that you know well, not everybody there should just be more options more variety
0: I agree. It should also be reflective of how dynamic art making is, you know, you have your artistic voice as a painter or sculptor or performance artist. And I think that tattooing should reflect that as well. And I, I think that, yeah, I, I approach tattooing in the same way, thinking about the critique process and how often you are pushed and encouraged to ask questions and, you know, asking those questions helps you to get to the core of what you're trying to say as an artist and I think that a lot of tattooing now is just to blindly follow and you know the rules just follow the rules and mm-hmm. it makes it so that definitely a lot of group think yeah it just you know. makes it
1: it makes it very monochromatic I completely agree You know, at the same time, it's like there's nothing wrong with that imagery, either if that's what somebody likes or that's what somebody wants to get. Like there's there's no right or wrong within tattooing. There's no right kind of style or right kind of design or one way to do everything. You know, there's there's not like a right or wrong way to tattoo. So I think it's it's just sort of like it's okay for for a while. It was like people were just so angry that styles were starting to kind of change or evolve it should change and evolve. You know, there should just be other ways for people to express themselves, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with the old way, and there shouldn't be anything wrong with, like, new ways of looking at things either.
0: So what are the problems that you see with the Black outline, both physically and conceptually, thinking about how, you know, tattoos ultimately are supposed to be images married with the skin?
1: I feel like... You know, the black outline is, is just a, sort of a matter of preference and not, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be the way that all tattoos are made. I think it's more just a matter of aesthetic preference. And if you want something that has more contrast to the skin or you want a tattoo that's a bit more graphic, then choose something that has the black outline. It's going to look, it's going to, you know, basically have the most contrast against skin there's this whole idea of like that has to have a black outline as if it's some sort of fence to hold the color in. But generally all tattoos will age and fade. The lines will spread regardless of whether or not it's color, if it's in black, that's just a part of the natural aging process of our skin and tattoos in general. So
0: man, that's spot on. (laughs) (laughs) How did abstract expressionism come into your life and how did you start to incorporate painting into your tattoo practice? When I got out of school, I was making a lot of
1: paintings of my photographs so I was making a lot of weird um, figurative oil paintings and yeah, just basically didn't really didn't really know all that much about um, abstraction at all and took two painting classes when I was in college and basically, you know, the, the second class I took, I just got tired of painting these kind of boring still lifes and never went to class and basically almost failed and just kind of lost interest in in painting. But when I got out of school, I started to just read a lot about it and started to research abstract expressionism and was reading about the, the you know, the so-called founder of the movement, Hans Hoffman, and was just looking at a lot of images of his work and sort of kind of relating the the shapes that he was putting on his canvases, like being dictated by his rectangular canvases. So he paints with a lot of squares and rectangles. And um, I just started to have this thought that if he were going to make a painting on a surface that wasn't rectangular, what would his shapes look like? And like if he were going to make a painting on, a, you know, an arm or a leg... You know, what would the shapes look like that he would put on a surface like that? And then that's when I realized that it was something that I could try for tattooing, that it was something that I could actually experiment with and just see if I could actually make abstract tattoos, make paintings for people and tattoo those paintings onto them. I feel like the way that I always sort of like get my ideas out there is just by like talking to everybody about it. So I was like talking to all my clients, like I had this like weird idea about like making paintings for people, putting it on their skin. Would you be into doing something like that? And people just a lot of people just sort of like let me run with the idea. And I started making paintings for people and that just kind of took off from there.
0: Yeah, that's pretty great that your clients were so open to the artistic process and willing to not only collaborate, but be open to something that's also permanent on their body. <laughs> uh, but that's also, you know, totally an experiment.
1: Totally. Yeah.
0: For me, a lot of the criticism that I experienced in school was that me as a painter, I was drawing with paint and I wasn't actually using the paint as a medium. And Ooh. one thing, one thing that I really like about your work that's kind of similar to, my favorite painter, Jenny Seville, she does these really large scale figurative paintings. But when you go closer to them, you can see that she's like using so much material and is using the palette knife and like scraping and doing like these violent strokes across the canvas. And, you know, somehow you're able to embody the characteristics of thick paint and like a A paint with like a with a heavy um, body and stroke it across skin (laughs) so yeah I feel like that's really unique because when I'm working with the tattoo machine and tattoo ink it doesn't feel like paint it feels like I'm drawing with paint or I'm drawing with ink rather so yeah yeah I really love that you're able to really like capture all the characteristics of you know like a heavy-bodied acrylic paint. Thanks,
1: Ireen now I want to see what your
0: paintings look like were you was it because you were making your painting
1: slowly that like why are you saying that they look like
2: you uh,
0: paint it was the way that I was approaching the material like I was thinning it out a lot and just being really being cheap with the material like I was moving it around too much and I wasn't I wasn't sculpting with paint I was like mm-hmm. just like smashing it around and it really thinned out way and so I don't know. I feel like it started to affect the ways that objects were viewed as being flat rather than three-dimensional. And I think that has to do with, I don't know, it it might be like a little bit of fear. Hmm. And like sticking to what I know, which is like close details and less of like me moving my actual body while I'm doing the motion of painting. Hmm. That's interesting.
1: But I mean, there's really, there's like no way that you could mess it up really yeah <laughs> you could just, you could get rid of it and just start stretching your canvas you know you could start over
0: yeah yeah you can't do that with a body <laughs> right <laughs> an important theme in your work is specificity and that the tattoos that we give and receive reflect how different each of us are as individuals can you talk about your consult process and how it's changed over the years it's definitely
1: changed a lot. When I was first tattooing, I just wanted to, you know, try to please everybody and I would make a bunch of drawings and I would show people about 2 weeks before their appointment, you know, what what their artwork was and then eventually I just started to notice that people would get opinions of other people. They would second guess themselves, they would change their mind and Um, Then I decided that I would have a consultation with the person and then show them the artwork the day of their appointment. So it gave them less time to, to doubt their initial instinct about the artwork. And now I actually just prefer to book the appointment with the person and have them come in and draw the design or make the painting for them the day of their appointment. So actually get them in the studio, meet them, talk to them, get a sense of who they are, see what their energy is. I can see exactly where it is that they want it on their body. I can sort of paint something or draw something that's a bit more tailored to them when I actually have them there. Um, And it just feels, it takes more time that way, but it feels just sort of more of like a collaboration and it feels more enjoyable. And I think that I get a little bit closer to what it is that maybe the person had been wanting initially, so it's definitely, there's definitely a level of trust involved in that, you know, people not even sort of knowing what it is that they're going to get put on themselves permanently forever. So it's um, Mm -hmm. kind of, I think, a leap of faith for some people. Yeah, definitely. And
0: then how long does that typically take? I mean, I know, Um, granted, like size is probably a big factor, but just like, you know, building that connection and also like trying to get a gauge of you know, what the person wants. I mean, us as adults, some people have problems with like verbalizing (laughs) what they want in their feelings. And so, you know, you have to cypher through all of that too. And so like, how long does that typically take to not only do the consult, but also to agree and then do the tattoo? I, I tattoo really quickly. So usually
1: it kind of always seems like things take about an hour and a half, no matter what size they are. I'm not really sure why that is, but usually... I'll do one or two appointments a day and everything usually takes maybe maybe up to two hours for an appointment. If somebody's getting something larger, you know, I usually don't go past two hours for a session and then just schedule multiple sessions because sometimes I think even with color work, sometimes if you layer the color, you can get a little bit more density of the color it can
0: make it a little bit richer and brighter. Do you typically do multiple sessions or is that like a case by case thing?
1: I usually try to, um, I do everything with a gray line. So it's actually just black ink mixed with water. So when it heals, it's it's a, like that, you know, kind of light pencil line. And then from there, I go over everything with color. So usually I try to do the gray line first session, maybe start some of the color and then, you know, have the person come back for the second session. And that way I can also see how my tattoos are healing mm-hmm. to make sure that everything looks like it's healing good or... You know, if I need to go over a part, what color is it that didn't heal well? So I, I kind of like to usually do two sessions because I get to see how it healed initially
0: after the first session. What type of colors do you feel like typically have a harder time healing?
1: I have to say sometimes like really saturated magentas. Purples, I always feel like look a bit gray. So sometimes I'll mix them with pink to make them look a bit more purple. But yeah, there's definitely. I've been using the same inks for a really long time. So, there's some colors that I'll I'll just sort of know to stay away from and pretty much only use like two brands of ink. So, yeah, it's like there's just certain certain brands or certain colors I'll
0: just stay away from. What are your favorite brands?
1: I really like Starbright actually. You know, I I use Eternal too, but I don't know why. I think I just like to make it harder on myself, but I always just like Starbright because it's just sort of the, the your basic colors. And then you, ha- you have to do a lot of mixing and blending. And so it feels a little bit more painterly. Instead of just having everything pre-mixed and all, you know, a thousand bottles of different colors mm-hmm. to choose from, it feels like I'm more involved in actually, you know, like I mix it. It's my palette. I'm mixing up some paint or something.
0: So yeah, pretty much like Starbright. That's really cool. Opposite of individualism, can you talk about some of the similarities and aesthetic choices that your client shares specific to the type of tattoos you give and what the clients typically request from you. This thing that I've noticed that happens a lot for a
1: lot of the appointments I do for abstract work is usually I'll talk to somebody about color. I'm really interested in the colors that people feel kind of charged by or energized by. So I talk to people for a long time about color and then I make usually anywhere from like 10 to 15 paintings for that person. And once I lay everything out, I never tell somebody the piece that I like the best and the one that I feel like, you know, oh, I hope that person picks that one in my mind. I'm like, I hope they pick, they pick that one. I really think that that one, there's just something about that one. 90% of the time people pick that one without, you know, it's like just subconsciously we both agree on which piece has the most balance or like the right amount of tension in it and it's without it's like this unspoken thing that just happens it's usually people we always just agree on which piece it should be which i'm not exactly sure what that is but i think it's really interesting (laughs) sometimes people get really nervous when they see me doing the gray line for the tattoo you know, like that's not, that's, it's not going to have a black line, is it? (laughs) It's going to be, it's going to be in color, like what you do. Yes. It's just a gray line. So people ask for basically colorful floral work, colorful, colorful abstract work. And I'd say like most people are pretty open to being kind of playful with the placement. Yeah. I think a lot of people that come in are somehow involved in like a creative industry or or appreciate art. But yeah, basically it's, you know, full color, full color type of stuff.
0: Okay, so what I really love about your work is how intuitive it is. And, you know, it truly embodies the process of painting, you know, down to like the subtlety of a paint stroke. Has this changed the way that you tattoo? So like technically the way that you're packing color, the way that you do your orders of color or the way that you approach skin as a surface?
1: It's always kind of ironic because I can spend two minutes making a painting, but then it will take me two hours to render the same thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that's always, that's kind of a strange thing. Yeah, just even a magnum, the, the needle that I use to do a lot of shading, is similar to a flat paintbrush. So, but but really it's a similar shape, but you're using them in such different ways. Yeah, painting, painting takes so much less time than actually tattooing. You just, can be sort of careless and making paint strokes on a piece of paper, but you can never be careless with skin ever. Mm -hmm. It's always just thinking about making sure that I don't overwork the skin. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. They're related, but they're just also completely, completely different. I know that generally it's always better to make sure that you work from dark ink to light ink so that you're not accidentally staining the lighter ink. I don't always do it that way. I use about a thousand paper towels when I tattoo. I could literally go through rolls and rolls of Bounty in one tattoo. Um, <laughs> I always say that you know I'd love to be have a corporate my first corporate sponsor to be Bounty because I use so many of the damn paper towels. But I basically just sort of work on whatever color I feel excited about putting into that person's skin, and and tend to if that means putting some black up against a pale yellow. I just do it
0: anyway and use a thousand paper towels to wipe over the tattoo. Mm -hmm. Okay, can you talk about your approach to color on various skin tones and if elements of like color theory and pairing become important during your sketching process?
1: I think it's not so much color theory. I just really love color and try to pack as much color into things as possible and it really just, depends on the person it, it you know it varies from person to person sometimes i want to use um you know you can use black in certain ways where you can actually draw more attention to the color so i always try to do that in my work um, i always try to you know black you're going to have the most contrast so i always try to tuck that into the design somewhere and then kind of strategically use that in ways to draw your eye around the tattoo and to you know kind of actually put more emphasis on the color
0: Mm-hmm. As far as like the various skin tones, when you're creating your sketches or the paintings, are you also considering the ways that different tones of skin reflect or transmit light?
1: Definitely. Um, you know, it, again, it's one of those things where it's like everybody, everybody varies. Everybody's skin tone is different. So, you know, it's a lot of it is just in the consultation. You know, when they show up for the appointment is to really just sort of talk to that person to see what it is that they want, that they would be happy with. Do they they want their tattoo to look um, more graphic? Do they want it to look more subtle? Do they want to have more contrast? Do they want it to be as bright as it possibly can be? So a lot of that is just really sort of talking to the person and figuring out what I think would make them happy. And if, if they have an idea that I don't think that they would be happy with the result of the outcome, I would you know sort of come up with a solution for that so yeah again it really just sort of like varies from person to person some colors you know depending on the person's skin tone I might actually use a brighter color because I know that it'll heal a little bit darker you know so so a lot of it is that too is like seeing how different colors heal on different skin tones too and maybe you know it's like using sort of a a really really bright green because I know it'll heal to sort of like a middle shade of green. So a lot of it is just from, you know, just consistently
0: working on like all different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have an Instagram question. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give about doing uh, watercolor style tattoos on darker skin tones? So I'm assuming this also means like doing tattoos that don't have hard borders but are including color.
1: So I would just say, um, you know go slowly and take your time and don't try to rush anything or try to pack in a bunch of color on the first session if it doesn't feel like it's going in a smooth way for you and i think it's it's you know maybe turning your machines down running your machines a little bit lower it's maybe not you know working working the skin as much or going you know super deep on the tattoo i think it's really just about being very slow and seeing how the color looks and just making sure that your blending is going well. And really, I think it's just about taking your time. And, you know, even again, like I like doing things in multiple sessions. So you can always do things in more than one session. You don't have to complete the entire tattoo in one session.
0: You may believe it or not, but the real people that live this story, they believe it, they know. An alternative universe where white people are having to endure the same amount of bullshit that they put black people through on a day-to-day basis, and I'm talking tattoo process and consult. Could you imagine the kicking, the screaming, the leaving of Yelp reviews? I might even imagine that they would cry. Welcome to the Cry White Zone. You are now listening to a console share between Doreen and Gail. Doreen is a tattoo artist. Gail is a white girl. Gail thinks she's coming in for a console for a color tattoo. Gail is mistaken. Okay, so just like pointing out some problems that I can see with this tattoo already. So we can't we can't really do a lot of color. When you have really pale skin, it kind of um, it washes the color out and it doesn't show up in the best way, in the ways that tattoos are supposed to be seen. So we're going to have to make some alterations on that. Um, so I feel like for you, because your skin is so pale, we should like, you know, maybe work with more um, more of a gray tones. Like, uh, so, you know, it, it complements your skin. Hmm.
2: That's well, is there any way I can do some color? Like I really had like gotten like sort of really dreamed of like this like red, maybe like, is there any way that like color can be, I don't know. I don't know that much about right like how it works. Um,
0: it- I mean, yes and no. So we, in, in my opinion, it's not going to look the best. I don't know if I'm personally comfortable with doing that color on your skin tone, um, I kind of, you know, whenever I'm working with like lighter skin clients, I, um, you know, strictly do black and gray, like definitely end up, um, tattooing more melanated clients. So this, the color comes up on them way different, you know, it's very dynamic. Um, but because your skin tone is so pale, it's like, I don't know if I can do my best work on you. So I feel like if we, if we seek to black and gray, I definitely feel like I can do, you know, an awesome tattoo. Mm-hmm. Another thing is that, you know, there's a lot of details in this image that you're showing me. And, um, when I'm working with lighter skin clients, I usually have to really simplify it. So pare down a lot of the details. So it's, it's going to end up looking more graphic. And a lot of the shading is going to be kind of minimized. So that's also going to have to, you know, alter a little bit.
2: Okay. So like this, like the detail on the leaves, everything's going to look a little different?
0: Yeah, that's going to look a little different. It's like the skin tone and also, you know, like a lot of people have, you know, like sun damage. So... You know, like moles and marks and other things that are specific to like, you know, your skin um, is going to end up affecting the visibility of the tattoo. So if we stick to, you know, simple lines and a limited range of shading, I think, you know, it'll it'll come out the best. Like it'll be visible from far away and up close.
2: Right. Right. And there's just like not really no color.
0: Yeah. Like, no, take the yeah. red
2: away.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no color at all, really. Um, yeah,
2: but you could like still like you know I really love this pick like this style and like you know. Yeah, yeah, we could, we could do maybe you know we could do like a version
0: of that style, but yeah, I'm just trying to figure out like what what we could even do just because I'm like kind of limited right now. Uh, yeah
2: but you could you could still do it like I could we could
0: yeah we could do it yeah it's just gonna have to you know be more of my style um yeah and I mean like looking at my portfolio like I don't tattoo white people often you know I'm willing to do this tattoo but it's definitely gonna have to be like you know what I feel more comfortable with doing like what I feel most comfortable tattooing so yeah
2: yeah no I, I understand I yeah um I mean you know you're the you know you're the expert I don't know anything about tattoos so if if, if that's not going to work on my skin I guess we'll mm-hmm. do you know yeah yeah <laughs> I'm coming to you you're you know I guess yeah, yeah I guess course. if that's if that is how we got to do yeah. it then I guess the Wait, okay, so I don't know if I understand, like, why, why wouldn't this be good? Like, why couldn't I do this tattoo? Like, why um, can't we do the red?
0: Yeah, I, I just don't feel like it's, it's not going to be, be the best representation of my work. And I don't think that the tattoo is going to age well. Um, it's not going to hold up. Um, visually, from a distance, you know, up close is whatever. But yeah, I'm just I'm trying to figure out what we can do, what we can salvage. um, Just because you know you are so so light.
2: I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so yeah. I mean, I, I don't want it to look bad. I, right. I definitely don't want it to come out with a bad result at all. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. like, you know, once we make these
0: changes that I suggested, like, you know, gray tone, super bold lines, you know, kind of a limited range of shading. I I think that's going to come out, you know, just looking good, yeah. in my opinion. No, no,
2: no, no. I mean, like, I want to, I like your work a lot. Like, I want to, you know, I want, I, I want to do the tattoo. Yeah. Like, I just, I think it's just different than what I, I didn't. I didn't know all that mm-hmm. about the color. I didn't know that 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 I couldn't with my skin do that. So I guess I guess I just uh, I didn't know. Yeah,
0: but I mean, but yeah, we can we can move forward with you know the deposit if you want to do that. If you want to move forward with a tattoo, no pressure.
2: Yeah, I yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but you know, like, it'll, it'll look good. Like you it'll, know. yeah, it'll look good. Like okay. it's not going to look like what you're
0: showing me right now, but it'll be my version of that for your skin tone.
2: Like, so, okay. So I guess I'll do the deposit. Um, like do I send it to your Venmo?
0: Yeah. 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 You can send it to me via Venmo.
2: Okay. okay I think I sent it. Yeah. All right. So I'll see you. I'll see you soon. Okay. Alrighty, see you soon. Hey. Yeah, yeah, no, I I just left the consult. I, um, yeah, yeah, it went okay. You know, I, I, it was a little confusing. I, like, showed her the picture. You know the picture I sent you, the raspberries, and, like, the, the leaves are kind of gray, but then, like, the colors of the fruits are, like, really bright, and, like, kind of different, and so, like, I was super excited about, like, that contrast or whatever, and, um, I mean, I didn't know this, but I guess, like, I don't know, she said that, like, because I'm so pale, like, she couldn't really do the colors in the way that I wanted them, and so, like, that I think that now maybe the plan is to, like, maybe only be gray, because, like, the colors on my skin tone are, like, not gonna look good, and she was saying, like, they're gonna get washed out over time, and, like, Yeah, so, no, yeah, yeah, so I'm still gonna do it, um, but I guess it's all gonna be, like, gray now, um, yeah, I don't know, I mean, I guess it's, I don't know, I, it's not really what I wanted, but they kept, she kept saying, like, that it definitely, like, I couldn't get color, because, like, my, like, skin is so white that, like, it just, like, isn't gonna look good, and they, you know, she was like, I don't wanna do a bad tattoo, and, like, you know, i I don't want to have a bad tech, like I don't want something that's gonna look ugly. So I think it's gonna be, yeah, I guess it's all gonna be gray. I don't know. I'm a little disappointed because I like really wanted the color. I think like, I don't know, the drawing is really cool and like it looks beautiful, but I guess if it's not gonna look good on, I don't know, I guess if my skin is like too white for the color to be like pop, like I guess that I'd rather have the tattoo than like not have it at all. Cause, you know, like the image is really important. You know, we talked about this, like I told you all about why I want it. So anyway, I guess it's not really what I wanted, but like, I like their work. So I, I think I'm still going to, you know, I still want it to happen. So I think, I guess it'll be cool. Like in the gray. I don't know. Yeah. Oh you yeah. I'll talk to you later. It's okay. You can go. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about it later. But so yeah, the console was, it was okay, but I'm going back in two weeks. So We'll see how it looks, I guess, after. All right, I'll talk
0: to you later. Bye. Gail then ended the phone call with her friend. She walked over to the L train. When she got down to the platform, you guessed it, she cried. I'm talking a red face cry, a snot-nosed cry, a look-at-me-I'm-crying-on-the-L train type of cry. Gail was humiliated. Could you imagine walking into a tattoo shop, expecting to get the tattoo of your dreams? and being told that you cannot based off the color of your skin. Wow, sounds strangely familiar. Where have I heard this before? Oh right, the very real world that we live in where black people experience this all the fucking time. Do you know how many clients I've talked to that experience this? It's fucking ridiculous. God damn, I hate this shit. Fuck my life. Well, looks like it's time for a bong rip. That's gonna conclude this week's episode of The Cry White Zone. An important issue that I feel like needs to be acknowledged more in the industry is experiences of racism felt by Black and brown people and their requests for color tattoos. As an ally, what are some of the ways that you defy the stereotype and prove to other white tattooers and discourage clients that, you know, they can get color tattoos? I think, you know, generally we have to be having a lot of conversations
1: like this because it's a huge problem. So... I think colorful tattoos look so beautiful on people of color and more tattoo artists should do work like this and it makes me feel really really angry you know when my clients tell me that other artists told them that you know color color won't show up on you um you know which is rude ignorant and racist and I hear that from so many different people so every person has a different level of melanin it isn't one size fits all when it comes to tattooing You know, it's like our responsibility as artists who work in a service-based industry to educate ourselves about our craft as much as possible so we can accommodate the wide array of who our clientele is. You know, I mean, it's even like tattooing has existed for over 5,000 years. There's been evidence of tattooing on every continent and every culture. Japan, New Zealand, Polynesia, Russia, China. Africa and Africa is the cradle of humanity. It's like safe to say that all of those practices originated there. You know, body modification, scarification, tattooing, body adornment, that needs to be respected and revered. And it doesn't belong to any one group of people. It wasn't invented by white sailors. You know, why should we get stuck in the last 80 years with Sailor Jerry when it's right. <laughs> like a rich history? for 5000 years before that. So I just think it's time, you know, for the elitist white supremacist mentality that is very prevalent in our industry to die. You know, this is something I've been trying to fight against for my whole career. When I first started tattooing, there was only a handful of women that were tattooing and coming into the industry, working in a different way from the men that were around me. You know, I experienced like so much bullying and sexual harassment and hate and generally have been an outcast for my entire career. So, but tattooing doesn't just belong to men either. It's like, it's also in our history too. The master Filipino tattoo artist, Wang Odd. She's 103 years old and she's been tattooing for 88 years. You know, she has a, a, like a group of like 10 female apprentices that range from age nine to 13 tattooing using their craft and their skill to basically make money to support their their village. Using their skill to basically support their community. Which is what I think classic tattooing is about. That is what classic tattooing is about. Not like skulls and dagger shit. So... <sighs> People forget about the fact that it's existed for so long. There's this massive history behind it and we're, we're focused on this like small period of time with like you know a bunch of white sailors it's it's like time for that mentality to die i hate when i hear people say i was told that i can't get color it, there's just like this level of of rage there's just sort of this blanket statement that's been told to everyone that's a lie that it's not going to show up like what a rude thing to say to somebody like what an insensitive, it just makes me so angry that people have been told that, you know, and like there aren't a lot of people working in color and and especially on um, black and brown skin. So it's like you don't see it anywhere. So people don't think they can get it. They go to a shop and they ask for it and they're denied and they're told no and they're like mistreated. It makes me it just makes me so angry. And it's just sort of typical of like how the industry has been. I think it's just kind of my responsibility as somebody who cares about other people and cares about the inclusion of other people. A lot of times I can't control who my clients are, but it's sort of like the most I've ever been able to push push people into my schedule that have brown skin, black skin, people of color that I can finally sort of push those people to the forefront of my list and get those people in and do beautiful color work on them and then post those things and put them online and try to put them in shows and just get it seen more so that people are like oh wow like you can do that or I can tattoo that way you know I was told like the whole time I've been getting tattooed that I couldn't get color but it's not true you know and so it's just sort of my responsibility as somebody that wants to fight against racism and misogyny and injustice and kind of change my industry and change the way that people think of that particular style of tattooing. It's just something I've always felt really passionate about in my career. And now I'm finally able to sort of do more of
0: that because I I have
1: more visibility, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that because... You know, it's something that we, you know, as Black tattoo artists often try to address. But for some reason, it doesn't resonate with a lot of white tattoo artists. And, you know, it's really great to hear that from you, knowing that it is, I mean, we know that it is like an element of racism, but, you know, to hear it from someone that looks like them, just admitting that, like, look, (laughs) you are openly discriminating against people Either because you don't want to work with them or that you want to perpetuate this lie that they that their skin is limited and not able to celebrating tattooing is as, as much as everyone else or everyone else with lighter skin.
1: I mean, I just I think it's really important to to talk a lot about this stuff. So the, the next wave of people coming up don't have to have any, you know, any mental energy spent on spent on this, you know, don't have to go to work and feel like they had to deal with discrimination, you know, that they can feel comfortable in their workplace and they can just focus on making the most beautiful artwork for their tattoo design and that there's like
0: no mental energy spent on on that anymore, you know? Yeah. Okay, so even for me, right, I work mostly in black and gray mm-hmm. and my hesitation to dive deep into color is I think it probably also has a bit to do with my practice as an artist just like doing small experiments and then making a record of how it comes out and you know doing a lot of trial and error and I hesitate on doing that with human bodies (laughs) you know because I don't want to like put in a color that I think is true to the bottle and then knowing, you know, the way that the body processes color, sometimes it changes. And like even, you know, some blacks that I use, I feel like they look way different after it heals and first do the tattoo. So with all that being said, are there certain colors that, you know, naturally changes throughout the healing process of the body that someone could possibly predict before they're actually doing the tattoo? I just really feel like it's really
1: varies from person to person. I mean, it's even just, you know, when you're initially learning how to tattoo, there is that level of experimentation. You don't necessarily know everything there is to know about your equipment. We might not ever really know everything there is to know about our equipment. I feel like so much of tattooing is just sort of intuitive and it's through the repetition of doing it over and over again that you start to build up some sort of like muscle memory or knowledge from what might work or what might not work, you know sometimes I I have a good sense of how things might heal. And other times, you know, it completely surprises me where it's like, wow, you know, we need to go back into that part again. Or wow, that looks real, that color, that orange looks amazing. So I think there is always just sort of a level of experimentation when you're kind of dipping your toes into a, a new way of working that isn't familiar to you. And again, it's just about going slowly. It's about taking your time and maybe doing things in multiple sessions and then you give yourself you're not overworking the skin and you give yourself the opportunity to make changes you know and a lot of times like if somebody's not happy with something had um, I had one client we did some green, we did a green gem on his arm and he wasn't happy with it. And we went over it with black, we just put black and gray over it. So you can you can actually always change things in tattoos too. So even though it is permanent, there are still things that you can do to tweak it a bit. And I think ultimately as long as you're putting in a really beautiful image, the tattoo is going to look amazing no matter what because th- the image that's going on is really strong.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So there's always things that you can kind of do to go back into something and tweak it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know this this is pretty subjective, you know, thinking about like what is good, what is not good like, aesthetically. But because you've been tattooing for so long, which colors do you find best complement medium to dark skin tones? Because, okay, so now, now I'm just like talking as a fucking internet geek, right? <laughs> so. <laughs> When I was first learning how to tattoo, I was just like looking everything up. And so if you have these charts online that are like, oh, this, these tones are for this tone of skin. And on one hand, I know it's probably like not a lot of truth to them. You know, a lot of it is also you just have to go through this experience and learn how to do it. But for people that are trying to at least like predict what is going to look good or what they should try to attempt, especially like if it's they're just dipping their toes into like working with color tattoos. Which colors do you find best complement medium to dark tones?
1: Even like, you know, Brittany Randall doing the, like the patch test of color, I think, you know, is like if somebody really wants to to actually see color patch test of just sort of the, the rainbow of colors to actually see, you know, just very, very, small indiscreet spot but I mean actually I would just do it as a tattoo because you know it looks really cool that would definitely be one way to actually know for sure but generally you know I love sort of the the medium bright shades of I don't, don't know how to describe them colors like lime green star bright lime green I love country blue star bright country blue I love light red I love scarlet red you know, canary yellow is, I just feel like, is just a really super pretty bright yellow. But, you know, I would, I would definitely say, yeah, it really just depends on the person. But I would say, you know, generally, I, I think it's good to do some sort of, like, use of black in terms of, like, giving it, if the person wants something to have, like, more contrast or things like that. Where it's, like, again, using black in a certain way to draw your eye to the color. But generally, it's, like, yeah, reds, blues, greens that the range of colors and, and those hues too. So pinks, magentas look really pretty. Yeah, it just it sort of it depends on what the design is and where they're putting it. And
0: I feel like a lot of people reach out to me because I have this like dual career as a fine artist and a tattoo artist. And, you know, you have the same where you've kind of like broken this barrier into the art institutions and, you know, have like brought tattooing into like this different community in different sphere and, you know, that includes like the Whitney, the New Museum, the Met, the Rubin Museum. Um, Can you talk about the ways that those resources have extended and transformed your practice and audience reach? I feel so fortunate that I've gotten to do
1: a lot of that stuff. I think I feel really passionate about all of the possibilities with tattooing and the art making possibilities with tattooing. Tattooing really is my passion, but It's definitely my passion to show people that there are all kinds of conceptual ways in which tattooing hasn't been explored. So I feel super grateful to have had platforms like that where I can sort of show people that and talk to people about that. You know, a lot of the projects that I've done with museums, they put me out in the open so people can come around and watch and ask questions. And I feel really grateful for that because a lot of times people that are visiting those institutions maybe have never gotten a tattoo before or been in a tattoo shop before so to be able to bring that to kind of take it out of like the microcosm and bring it
0: into just sort of more of a public sphere I feel really grateful that I've gotten to have those opportunities and what are some of your favorite projects that you've worked on that's taken tattooing outside of the tattoo shop?
1: In 2014 I did a project at the new museum I collaborated with my friend Max who is a neuroscientist and we analyzed the amount of time that went into the tattoo and the voltage from my tattoo machines while I tattooed I think 12 different people and then from there we took that information and he coded it into all we coded all of the numbers into colors and basically we took all of the numerical information from each person's tattoo coded it into color and came up with this separate image that related to them and their tattoo. So I think that data project was probably my favorite thing. I got to collaborate with my friend. I had been working on that idea five years prior to it and just always hit all of these walls and could never drive it forward and then finally went somewhere when I just collaborated with my friend. So um, I think that was probably, probably my favorite thing that I've gotten to do.
0: Yeah, I think that's really cool because, you know, the voltage changes based on, like, the area of the body and, like, what you're packing in. And, yeah, it's it's like taking painting to a new level <laughs> where, like, the painting is like a record of the pain almost, too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Okay, so in the past, critics have described painting as being dead. Do you think the same can be said about tattooing? No
2: way.
1: (laughs) No way. Tattooing is so much life. I think tattooing will always, will always be around. I mean, it's probably one of the oldest art forms and, you know, there's just still so much that, that that hasn't been done with it yet. There's so many ways for it to evolve. I think just even in terms of how long it's been documented for, you know, that it has, it's just going to continue to probably exist and be relevant, through, you know, as long as humanity's around. So, I definitely think there's just still so much more that can be done with it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think too that it seems like a lot more people are self-taught now and working in, you know, solo studios and are kind of like doing things on their own terms. So, it would seem like breaking the rules and thinking out of the box would happen more often now. And also just because people are, you know, starting to be more open-minded about what a tattoo can be. Why why do you think that there haven't been more rule, rule breakers? There was a, a lack of visibility before, you know, social media platforms like Instagram, where I think now a lot more people are exposed to different styles of image making and different artists that are out there that, you know, they might be more willing to collaborate with, you know, in addition to there being more visibility about like different styles, there's also a wider range of the type of client that you can get. Mm -hmm. I think that people appreciate tattooing a little bit more like on a wider range as far as like how they identify, you know, that also just brings different ideas to the table and, you know, people wanting to look a really specific way. Yeah, I agree. I'm wondering if the apprenticeship process was taken away completely, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If there would be like a huge surge in intuitive tattoo styles, mostly because there wouldn't be so much, I guess, so many rules that you're taught in the very beginning that you are, you know, having to break later on.
1: Right. Sometimes it can feel really empowering to break rules, though, too, right? Like... (laughs) and on, on some level it's like you almost need that to push against. So yeah, I just I feel like the traditional apprenticeship is really good because the way that you learn faster is by the repetition and having that constant, you know, the people constantly coming through the door asking for work. So it's it's through tattooing a lot where you can learn a bit faster than if you were to you know and I have a lot of friends who are also amazing who are self-taught too it's just that it's always so much more of a hustle trying to find the people to tattoo so mm-hmm. you could you could have you could do a tattoo every day of the week, and then for the next two weeks, you don't have anybody lined up. So then, you know, it's like a lapse in time where you're not sort of using the muscles in your hand again. So I feel like that's, that was, I didn't really learn anything in my apprenticeship. I had a horrible apprenticeship. It was terrible. And, but it was really just from the repetition of, of getting to do like even just a tiny tattoo every day and then obsessively thinking about it and trying to figure it out that I was able to to learn faster than i think if i if i were just um kind of just picking up the equipment by myself so i feel like there's good things about the apprenticeship and you know in a lot of ways totally agree with you it's like these old sort of traditions or rules are forced upon us and we don't really know why it might not make sense to us the way that we want to work but we're told that there's only one way but you know again sometimes it's just like rock the boat if the captain's corrupt.
0: or yeah kill the captain or whatever so what advice do you have for more marginalized individuals that are not able to acquire an apprenticeship that are interested Um, in tattooing
1: I would just say get in touch with the the artists that you follow that you really like and just just start forming a network of people for yourself and you know it's like if you you feel like you're being marginalized then seek out your community like find your people and that you know it's just I think through like thinking about tattooing a lot and talking about it a lot and getting tips from artists you know again like you can buy the equipment yourself talk to people about how to sterilize everything to make sure that you're protected when you're tattooing so that you don't cross contaminate something and like x or accidentally poke yourself you know I really feel like it's that's like the most important thing to sort of find out if you're gonna take tattooing upon for yourself and and not have somebody teaching you how to do it is really to just find out about like sterilization and cleanliness and cross-contamination and i and i just think it's about like reaching reaching out to people and talking to people and you can do it yourself too you know i mean i think like classic tattooing like traditional tattooing would be something that's hand poked you know, before using an electric machine, really, like yeah. that's 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 the way. That's real tattooing, is like something that's hand poked. So, I don't necessarily feel like you you need to be to be in a shop.
0: What do you have to say about a lot of the like white cis bros that have really negative feelings about stick and poke or hand poke tattoos?
1: I mean, again, it's just it's that mentality. It's ignorant. It's people being afraid of change, I think. It's it's a lot of groupthink, people being afraid of change and just being ignorant of the, the actual real
0: history of how it was done before them. What are some future projects that you hope to work on post-quarantine?
1: I was supposed to have an art show in May, which got postponed to September, so fingers crossed it will still happen in September. But I have some little tattoo projects. I have a crystal project that... I'm working on putting together and um, making some weird glitches for some tattoo designs and always have a bunch of weird ideas and have been photographing lots of like cut flowers for tattoo flash and yeah just basically am psyched to work on canvases and stuff like that so.
0: And then how can people support you? (laughs) Well, I think a lot of times I feel overwhelmed because people are
1: like, I've been trying to get tattooed by you for like five years and I'm tired of trying and I don't know what else I can do. And I, sometimes I just, I think it won't, I won't be able to just tattoo everybody, but there are other ways that people can support me by just supporting the other work that I do off of skin, you know, which on some level will have more longevity than the work that I'm doing on skin. You know, that canvas could exist a lot longer than that tattoo on that person's skin. (laughs) So you know my artwork might hang around a little bit longer so I think yeah I think it would just be supporting some of the other things that I work on too because they're they're equally important to me it's equally important to me to tattoo lots of different people and also show that there's so much more that can be done with tattooing conceptually and in terms of art making off of skin
0: cool okay so (laughs) we're all finished but is there any shout outs that you want to give or any fuck yous
1: you know I thought about this fuck you thing and I just can't think of anybody oh no (laughs) yeah I want to give a shout out to Andre Malcolm I got to work with Andre maybe like over 10 years ago I think for a little bit and Andre is my favorite tattoo artist and I have all these memories of working with him and then we'd all hang out and go get drinks afterwards and he he'd work all day and then we'd go get a drink and he would be doodling these like (laughs) amazing amazing perfect little dragons on like tiny drink napkins right like you know just like (laughs) mind-blowing so i want to give out a shout a shout out to andre
0: cool and then where did you guys work together
1: we worked at daredevil tattoo Mm -hmm. in the lower east side Mm, okay (laughs) yeah cool well that's it I feel like there's so many things I want to ask you, though. Oh, yeah, you can ask
0: me questions.
1: Are you... Okay, so when did you start having... When did you feel like you wanted to start making performance pieces? Like, when did you... You know, are you still blowing glass? And when did you feel like you wanted... You know, and just even that is like... You know, I think I watched something where you said that you were shy. like, But you're doing all this performance work, Mm -hmm. you know. How...
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that a lot of people don't know that I also blow glass, which is funny. Are um, you still doing it? <laughs> not really. So what really turned me off from glass was that I, I mean, you know, I, I went to grad school. I got my MFA from RISD in glass. Mm-hmm. But after that, I taught a workshop at Pilchuck Glass School. Mm-hmm. And I experienced a lot of, you know, extreme racism from the director at the time there and you know I was the only black professor and you know she kind of pulled me out into the field and scolded me publicly and not only that but refused to hire other full time um, faculty as people of color because she said she wasn't going to hire tokens and she also she denied a request that I and one of my assistants made to put a gender neutral sign on the bathrooms. And so there was like a bad taste in my mouth about glass after that. You know, I found myself distancing myself from that community, maybe just from like trauma and, you know, wanting to feel safe. And so I haven't, I haven't blown glass in a while. I was teaching at Tyler School of Art for um, two years. but. You know, it's in Philly and that commute can be a lot, but I really enjoy teaching there. After a while, traveling and teaching, you have to wonder like, how much time am I actually spending in my own studio? And then how does this all balance out? So I'm taking a break from teaching at the moment. Yeah, I haven't haven't worked with glass in a while. I miss it sometimes, but in a way, I feel like tattooing has, I experience the same amount of anxiety. In tattooing that I do with glass so it kind (laughs) of (laughs) like yeah it kind of like swapped itself out and then wait what was your other question oh Oh, performance yeah performance yeah Yeah, performance so so the performance work kind of started when I was in grad school and it was mostly because I, I was coming in after being out of school for about three years and during the critiques I found I found myself becoming really frustrated with the art jargon and the repetition and the ways that people were just like, you know, saying all the same things. And they were teaching a lot of the younger students to use the same vocabulary that they were using. And sometimes it would be like in an incorrect way. So I found myself becoming frustrated with that. But they were also using that vocabulary almost as a weapon against me during critique. And so... I always was searching for a way to gain power in those situations. And so I found that power through performance. And it was basically me taking on this, you know, character in some ways of just being really confident and really powerful and almost like a dom. And so, you know, these are like things that I'm currently thinking about for my like performance practice. But in terms of tattooing, I became inspired to incorporate performance from the the first time that I gave myself a tattoo. And, mm. you know, I felt a lot of pressure and a lot of anxiety because there were, like, two friends in the room. And before I made that first line, I'm I was just thinking, I'm like, I don't have to do this, but I'm going to do it. And it hurts. Why am I still doing it? And so, like, I had this <laughs> kind of, like, <laughs> this, like, psychological, like, turmoil where, you know, I was trying to, figure out the line between like performance and ego and (laughs) self-harm and image making and like how those things intersect and you know create this unique experience for me as a person getting tattooed for me as a person doing the tattoo and for the people watching so there's like this whole other element of like voyeurism and taking pleasure and watching someone else's pain you know from from that moment I really tried to dissect the tattoo process and ways that it just manifests in other parts of our brain and experience. I wanted to expand on that and, and you know, bring that into a larger audience. And a lot of, like, a big theme in my work is trauma and, like, creating an, an experience that people can't forget. And so I, I was just trying to think of ways that, like, tattooing could also be incorporated into that experience of, like, you know, high art performance Um, which people also have all these ideas about being bullshit or whatever. And, and like something that's also really visceral. So like working within all of these different mediums, do you ever feel
1: like you don't know, like, do you call yourself a tattoo artist, but you've been making all kinds of other art before you started tattooing? Do you feel like, do you have feel like you're doing all, you have all these different things that you do and that you're interested in, like creating through do you feel like you're having an identity crisis or like, how do you, what, how do you refer to yourself in terms of, do you just say I'm an artist, but then mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, also I tattoo, like, how do you, how do you, what do you consider your, right. your thing?
0: Right. I, I typically um refer to myself as being a fine artist and an inscriber of flesh. I'm also really interested in scarification and what that could look like in my practice. So, That means either digging, like, a cauterizing pen into flesh or, like, a blade or a tattoo machine. So, yeah, I feel like inscriber or flesh is a more inclusive term. And as far as, like, doing all these things at the same time, I don't really know how to describe it. It doesn't really feel like an identity crisis. I I think in a lot of ways, too, it's me trying to Break into a lot of these communities or like industries where it's white male dominated and, and destroy that idea by like being at least good or proficient in each category. And it also has a I'm, I'm trying to live my life to the fullest in a way. And so that's also a thing. It's like, oh, I want to be able to like accomplish and do all these things and not be limited by like any category or what people think that I should be doing. Okay. You also have separate Instagram accounts for all of them. Oh my god, I have so many Instagram <laughs> accounts that I have an I Instagram that- account for my artwork, for my tattoo work. I have an account for um bloody tattoos <laughs> called um bloodshed. I have like a troll account. <laughs> <laughs> like a meme troll account yeah and a few other ones that are you know, <laughs> underdeveloped but do you have a finster um a what <laughs> do you have do you have a, a fake instagram account? oh um no I mean I
1: don't I you know I think maybe like I should have one I probably should have one. But there's also, like, ways to kind of, like, get around that, too, Mm -hmm. you know? So I have a private one, and then I just use that private one in certain ways where I don't, I don't, I don't don't have, like, the the secret, like, fake one. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it doesn't mean I don't use that one to, like,
0: snoop.
2: Right. Yeah,
0: (laughs) snooping's good.
2: Yeah.
1: What was your thing that you feel like you want to work on? When you get out of like quarantine, or when it things can kind of, when you can get back into the studio, when you feel like you can
0: get back into your practice, mm-hmm. um, it's tough because this the podcast has kind of been, um, you know, my biggest project that I've been working on this whole time, and a lot of my practice in tattooing I consider to be like social work, so it's really important for me to like. Get all these experiences and voices out so that the conversation can be expanded. And so I consider this to be part of my practice. But as far as the art is concerned, I've been thinking about so I'm supposed to be doing a show in May at JTT, <laughs> my gallery. And I've been thinking a lot about torture devices. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> okay. So so, the, so those are some projects that I've I've just been like grabbing screenshots online, and you know, trying to think about like some themes and concepts that I want to work with, and like ways to transform those objects torture um, device like an iron maiden or something oh yes a- actually literally an iron maiden yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah one of the one of the things i was thinking about i mean it's underdeveloped so this is why i can put it out because i don't even know if i'm gonna stick to it but i want to do um like a venus of willendorf iron maiden like life size yeah <laughs> <Okay. Damn. laughs> yeah so so yeah it's a it's a couple different things and i'm like right now I'm also really interested in becoming a dominatrix okay. and so <laughs> and so you know that's another component of the show is to like figure out like the I guess intersectionality between torture and sex and ways that I can also like employ a lot of these um, black dominatrixes for, for my show
2: that's very cool
0: yeah it's, it's- a lot <laughs>
2: Yeah, I feel like
1: like having this sort of like break or this pause, I just realized I was like working way too much. So actually I haven't really. Yeah, I don't know. It just feels good to actually not put have that have this like sort of pressure on myself. Like, oh, I got to get back to work. I got to like figure this out. You know, <laughs> what's my next thing?
0: Yeah, I feel like what would be helpful for me is if there was like some type of end date. I I do my best with deadlines. and I think because this whole thing is just open-ended it's like it's it's really hard to keep myself on a schedule Mm
2: -hmm. and also
0: feel like I'm being productive because I'm not like working towards like a hard deadline it's just open-ended it's like oh what would life be like if you didn't work and I'm like well (laughs) but I do like working (laughs) 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 so yes it's It's weird. It's like very freeing and also feels very limiting at the same time.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, can relate to that for sure.
0: All right, so that's going to conclude this week's episode of Mad Pain with Amanda Wachub. We tackled so many things. We talked about the limitations and expectations of the black outline, um, breaking the rules, painting. We talked about approaches to anti-racism and tattooing, collaboration and experimentation with clients and the importance of visibility and representation regarding diversity in tattooing. You know, I, I just gotta say, I think Amanda is really dope. She's cool. I really loved and enjoyed talking to her. We actually hung out a few weeks ago in Brooklyn and um, you know she gave me her fuck you, which was great. <laughs> Considering the circumstances, I would have also said fuck you to that person. I'm not gonna disclose. She can do that if she chooses to. We also talked about how pissed off and frustrated she was about mentioning Bounty and wanting them to sponsor her. like. You know, we recently found out that Bounty is a company that produces a lot of their products using prison labor, which is fucked up. And it's fucked up because as tattooers, a lot of us are using Bounty. And um, that's either like in the past or are still actively using Bounty paper towels. So as we're making the change of paper towels, we also should be making a change towards um, getting rid of this like fucked up perpetuated myth that black and brown skin is limited and cannot hold color tattoos. Um, Amanda said it, I've said it, many people have said it, it's a racist ass lie and it needs to be done with and removed. I don't think that a lot of people are really grasping how traumatic it is for black and brown people, not only to be operating in the world and experiencing racism and discrimination on a daily basis, but even in the moment where you're in a tattoo shop, um, you're choosing your identity based on images that you want to place permanently on your body that you're told even then that you are limited based on what you look like. It's fucked up. And we should remove that from their experience as best we can. One of the ways that I feel like we can remove that as an element of their experience is to be really transparent. If you are a tattoo artist that does not have a ton of experience doing color tattoos on black people, let that be known. Just be straight up with your client. Instead of saying things like, I don't do color tattoos on black and brown skin, you know, try to move towards um, phrases like, I don't have a lot of experience tattooing color on black and brown skin, but we can work on this together to figure it out. Are you still willing to work with me? Because, you know, not only are you being honest, but you're also giving your client the ability to choose either yes or no. Like, yes, I am willing to work with you on this. Um, You know, we can do this together. I am aware that, you know, this is, almost experimentation, um, but I really appreciate your work and I wanna figure out how we can kind of meet somewhere in the middle, you know? And then if they choose no, then then they just choose no. <laughs> and um, I think that if you are Working with them, if they do say yes, that they still want to work with you, you should be really flexible of how you are charging them. And that might be, you know, a reduced rate or, or you know, just doing the tattoo for free. Like if you need to get that experience, consider it, um, you know, a part of your education. And that should be consensual between you and your client. Um, you know, you're about to inflict pain on this person's body. They should know you know, all of the components of the situation, whether or not you feel confident in the design, whether or not you feel confident in your ability to execute the tattoo, you know, a a bunch of different things. If you find that you are a person um, that doesn't have a lot of experience doing colored tattoos on black and brown people, if I have any suggestion um, of people that are experts is black people in the South. Black people in the South, they are doing the damn thing as far as colored tattoos on black and brown skin. Wow, the color is in there, is staying, is lasting a long ass time. Like they are getting these tattoos done by any means necessary. And it's like a lot of these people have not had apprenticeships. These are all methods that they have developed on their own. So, you know, as far as like all the highly celebrated tattooers in the industry, these are not the only people that you should be looking up to um, and seeking out guidance from. If I'm going to name a few people, uh, you know, Wes Holland is doing great color work. So is Debbie Snacks, Kevin Leroy, Wren, uh, Chuck Jones, Jay Baby, Nichelle. Um, and then if, you know, if I want to give a fuck you to anybody, I'm going to give a fuck you to Ink Master because the way that you regard Black people's skin as canvases and deal them out to contestants as punishment is just fucked up. You've had many seasons of this show and you have not changed your narrative thus far. I think this shit should be canceled for real, for real. But you know, that's just me. I think a great thing that we could implement as a community is pushing our funds towards Uh, virtual workshops from a lot of these experts um, that are doing color tattoos on black and brown people and, you know, really figure out how we can share education. I know Sophie Célevis is talking about, um, you know, starting a workshop of her own, but, you know, there's so many different approaches to tattooing and I feel like we can hear from a lot of different people at the same time. The problem with the discussion that tends to happen between the tattooer and the client is that there are a lot of lies being told about uh, what the capabilities are as far as your skin tone is concerned as a black and brown person. And that is rooted in racism. And if you are interested in undoing a lot of that shit <laughs> and you know, trying to move towards like being an ally and being more anti-racist in the tattoo industry, I really encourage you to join Tamara Santibanez's um, tattooer discussion group that happens every Wednesday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that is a anti-racist action um, discussion group for white and non-black POC. You can access this discussion group by signing up for the newsletter that um, comes out every week through DisciplinePress.com. The discussion group has a slide presentation that Tamra puts together. I don't know how she does it (laughs) every week. It's a lot of work, she does so much work. Like I do not envy Tamra at all. (laughs) Took me a whole month to put this one episode out, okay? But yeah, Tamra puts together a great slide presentation and the discussion group opens up. And, you know, I do have to say that it is a place for, you know, people to sometimes get things wrong. Like a lot of the people in the group are really generous with their time. And, you know, if you feel called to bring up a point that may be a little problematic, like the people in the group, you know, give you a gentle push towards you know, the more correct, um, answer or response. And, and that's cool. Like everybody is super nice, um, and is super open. And in addition to that, like you can go to the Zoom discussion and have your camera off, have yourself muted. Um, it's like, you're not even there, but you know, you're gathering all the information and you know, it's a step in the right direction. So that is available to you every Wednesday. Join us for the next episode of Mad Pain, where I will be joined by my favorite, Jay motherfucking baby.
2: I low-key hate this shit.